In the name of Jesus. There he is. Do you see him? Sure you do. However, you pretend not to. As if he doesn't exist, you call him a misfit, an oddball, goofy. All because he bears and suffers in his body the ravaging effects of a fallen, wrecked world that sadly began with Adam and Eve's wanting to be like God and rebelliously not being content to be creatures with ears to trust God's word, with tongues to proclaim his praise. So there he is. This poor creature can't hear. In addition, he can't talk. And when he tries to communicate, it's, it's clumsy, it's gawky, it's uncoordinated, shrill, Quasimodo-like groans and moans, all because his tongue and his ears don't work. His ears and his mouth are damaged goods. Awkward. A total embarrassment. He has no education, no job, no life skills. His hands and fingernails are grimy. His clothes are grubby, filthy, and smelly. And you just die if someone saw you with him. What would your friends think? Your family? So you avoid him like the plague. You'd never invite him over for a beer or for supper. You'd by no means have him over to play pitch or pinnacle with the card club. And if he showed up on Sunday, you would make sure that there's blue tape everywhere. You'd have the ushers, the elders, show him the door. No seat for you. But if the deaf-mute man was rich, had the right clothes and a gold ring on his finger, you'd probably cut him some slack. It'd be a different story, wouldn't it? But he doesn't. In your eyes, he's pathetic, a loser. So you discriminate. You show partiality, favoritism, preferential treatment as if you're better. As if you're a little divinity compared to him. Some people you think are less equal than others and, well, the devil can have him for all you care. Pastor Isaiah, in our Old Testament reading, diagnoses you and me well. He cat scans us, MRIs us. You, Scripture says, are ruthless as a sinner. You are a scoffer. You turn aside all who are different and you believe you are right above everyone else. Listen again. The ruthless shall come to nothing. The scoffer cease. All who watch to do evil shall be cut off. And for your unloving, discriminatory thoughts and actions against your neighbor, you must repent. You must repent and believe that Jesus has died for you and for all your sin. You say you have faith, but where are your works? Why don't you take care of your neighbor who is in need? Do you believe in Jesus? Or don't you? You see, faith in Jesus always bears fruit. The fruit of love, the greatest of all of them. And love means sacrificially taking care of others, no matter what their needs. Thankfully, 
this deaf mute man had some faithful and loving friends that look out for him. Incredibly, they, they gather him up, they carry him to the preacher from Nazareth, to Jesus. And that's faith. And it's faith that is entirely passive. For we are nothing but beggars before the Lord Jesus. And so with nothing to bargain with, we are told that they begged Jesus. They begged Him to lay His hand on Him this deaf and mute man. You see, the Lord Jesus, the Savior of the world, He doesn't discriminate. He doesn't show favoritism. He has come to establish and reveal the kingdom of heaven on earth just as Isaiah prophesied a long time ago. For who? For all. Consequently, the Lord Jesus is totally for this poor, bound in Satan's chains, deaf, mute man. Lord Jesus is fully there for this poor, genetically marred man that suffers so much because he, like all of you, has inherited Adam's original sin. And Lord Jesus, your Savior, will not let Satan, he will not let Adam sin. He will not let the wrecked, inherent results of a fallen creation stop him from redeeming and restoring his fallen creatures. So Jesus takes this man aside. Did you catch that? Away from the crowds. Jesus is not a Las Vegas nightclub act. He's not a Jimmy Kimmel, a Conan O'Brien, or a Jimmy Fallon. He's not a Penn & Teller, Chris Angel, David Copperfield, David Blaine, or a Harry Houdini. Jesus is the Lord. He is God in the flesh. And He's come to do a kingdom. Of God, to defeat Satan, to forgive sin, to redeem and restore his creation. Consequently, this deaf mute man is very precious to our Lord Jesus, so dear to him. Jesus becomes Lord for him with everything that he has and all that he has. And Jesus now communicates that he is Lord for this man, this man that you often ignore in ways that only a deaf mute would understand. Jesus pokes his fingers into his broken ears. He spits and grabs the man's bound tongue with his divine hand, covered with his divine mouthy discharge, and the actions speak loudly and clearly. Jesus says, I'm here to help you. I'm here to fix your ears and tongue. I'm here to break you out of prison, man. I'm busting you loose. Um, I've come to set you free from Satan's penitentiary. There's a new Lord in town, and it's me. And I'm going to take care of you. And then, Jesus looks up to heaven. This illustrates that our dear Lord Jesus is the chosen Savior sent by the Father who alone can help the man. Did you catch that? Your dear Lord Jesus is the one sent from your Father above to help you. Him and only Him. And then Jesus releases a deep sigh. A better translation from our text is an intense groan. 
That's the same word that St. Paul uses about how the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness from Romans 8.26, literal translation, that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us through wordless groans. Had any groans lately? It's at that point that the Lord Jesus fingers, spit, look to heaven, and intense groaning now uses His divine word. And that's what He is. And it's a godly command. Jesus isn't mute. He speaks authoritatively, and not in German, not in English, but of all languages, He speaks Aramaic. And it's a one-word sermon. Ephetha. And it means be opened. You see, His Word does exactly what it says. It gives precisely what it says. It says unerringly what it gives. The divine Ephetha is just like the divine Genesis 1. Let there be light. In the beginning, God creates by His Word. When He redeems and recreates His fallen creation, He does it through His spoken Word. That's how He operates. And so with the Lord Jesus, Ephetha, a broken creature, is now restored. A fallen creature is now redeemed. And when the Lord Jesus speaks this be-opened word, Ephetha, we're told the man's ears were opened. He's now able to hear and hang on to every word that comes from the Lord's mouth. He lives by faith, trusting only in Jesus like us creatures are supposed to do, like it was in the beginning. You see, with this be open word, Ephetha, the man's tongue was loosed, and he began to speak plainly or rightly, or rather, as the Greek says, orkos. Orkos is where the word orthodoxy comes from. Orthos means right, doxy, praise, glory. So it's not just that the man's mouth works, it's much more than that. Now his mouth speaks orthodoxly, faithfully. His mouth now confesses, praises, and glorifies his Lord Jesus, who has come for him and for you. His mouth now confesses truly who Jesus is, which is exactly what a creature that lives by faith is supposed to do, like it was in the beginning. No surprise then that the people, in their sheer astonishment, their amazement, their overwhelmment, now blurt off the truth, He, Lord Jesus, does everything well. Wow. And that sounds so much like Genesis, right? In the beginning, Genesis 1.31, God saw all that He had made and it was very good. But how often you think the good is gone? How often you have your groanings, your deep signs. All is lost, you think. But Jesus hasn't just come for this deaf-mute man. He's come for you too. Lord Jesus has done everything well for you. Lord Jesus is God for you and you are very precious in His sight. And He's taken you aside to be this Savior for you. And boy, how you and I need Him rebelliously. We don't want to be a creature of God. That's the sinner in us. We become bullish. We become our own little divinities. And when we do so, our ears don't work. Our ears don't listen to God's Word. 
We stuff them instead full of our own words or whoever we put up on a pedestal to believe and follow. We plug them chock full of our own self-justifying sermons and our tongue becomes twisted and tied because our tongues start to only talk about itself and about ourself. Thus, self-justification is our sin. Before the deafs and mutes of this world, before those we look down upon, before the Almighty God, we do all this and we act as if we were God. But Lord Jesus doesn't turn away from you. Instead, Lord Jesus came to save you from yourself, to heal you, to redeem you from the idolatry of the self, to rescue you from the satanic slavery of always having the devilish desire to be little gods, and he's given you the greatest gift of all, salvation. Lord Jesus pokes his Good Friday word of forgiveness into your ears every Sunday. He puts His absolving words into your mouth with His most holy body and blood in the Lord's Supper. And for most of you, He took you into His blood-stained Good Friday hands and washed your entire body in His own red divine blood from the cross water of holy baptism. And He put His saving name on you. He marked you with the sign of the Holy Cross the Good Friday death of His that saves you. And in your baptism, He preached to you that one-word sermon again, Ephetha. And guess what? His Ephetha did what it said. You were born again, regenerated by the Holy Spirit. You now, as you live daily in your baptism, are a believer, a disciple. You're not God. You're a creature. You're a new creation in Lord Jesus. That means that you are satisfied to live by faith. That is to say, content to have creaturely ears and mouths that are redeemed and restored. Ears that gladly listen, not to your own words, but to Lord Jesus' words. Mouths in turn that give their... Amen. And thanks be to God for all of His Good Friday saving, all of His Good Friday salvific benefits given in His Word and sacraments. And so now, now that your ears and mouths, your entire bodies and souls have been salvationally faithed by Good Friday's forgiveness, Lord Jesus has good use for you as His creatures. Now is the time Now is the content-to-be-God's-creature time to lovingly use your ears, your mouths, and your bodies to help those in need. You see, faith in Jesus for salvation gives birth to sacrificial giving of yourselves in this world for others. Works of love for the sake of your neighbor. Not sure what those are? Review your small catechism. The explanation to commandments 4 through 10 and the table of duties, I promise you, you'll have enough loving for the sake of others' works to do for the rest of your life. But they are works that flow from faith in Jesus, works for this world that it desperately needs, works done simply for the sake of your family, friends, community, and congregation because their needs contain the proper places and boundaries for love. Lives lived, not for yourselves, but outwardly and indiscriminately for the benefit of others. 
This is the Lord's very good use of you. Since you have been crucified with Christ, Scripture tells us it is no longer you who lives, but the Lord Jesus who lives in you. He uses you as his instrument to do everything well in this earthly life, just like it was in the very beginning. Thus we read from the very end of our Bibles, from the book of Revelation, Behold, he says, I am making all things new. That's right. The deaf, the mute, the ruthless, and the scoffer, he is still making all things new, regardless of what you hear, see, taste, or touch. He makes all things new. Such is the confidence we have through Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus.